0: Well, thanks again for being here at Grace. We have a, we have a, an old friend with us today, uh, Stephanus Botanis, right here, our missionary to Greece. And so I know some of you might want to connect with him before you leave. And uh, his wife Magna is still in Greece. Actually, his oldest child, right, is taking exams for university. So big uh, big deal there. And next hour, actually, Stephanus will be presenting his ministry and just updating us on what's going on. He'll be doing that in Tim's class, which is right near the cafe behind the the waterfall. So if you want to join, jump in there to see what's happening in Greece. We'd love for you to do that. Again, very much appreciate you being there. There's one more thing that I wanted to update people on. We we don't talk about this much or or maybe enough. But just to make sure that that people realize, we have uh, sometimes... As we built this building, there was actually a campaign for us to do that. We called it Growing With Grace or GWG. We, uh, and in that Growing With Grace campaign, we started that three years ago. And already a year ago, we've been in our building and we're very pleased with it. We got a great value from KF Ventures and appreciate Tom and Dorothy and their role in our church and, and making all that happen. And basically, I just want to let you know that if you've been giving to that, uh, that consider your obligation over. Uh, we, it's okay. Uh, we, we appreciate everything that's come in. Things are good. And we just want to end this campaign, kind of wrap that up, and just make sure that you realize that your release uh, of any... Because we just asked people for their... Uh, just what they planned on giving just to help us make plans three years ago. And sometimes things don't go exactly the way you plan or whatever. We're just saying, hey... That's over don't feel obligated anymore. Uh, thank you very much for your generosity I know many people contributed to that and regarding growing with grace many of us we, we just kind of give to that no matter what the project is and we're going to talk next Sunday about uh, what our vision is and, and what that those funds will go to in the future so come back next Sunday to hear that but it's just amazing what God has done here at Grace and Every once in a while, we have to stop and realize that, um, that, that we're not a very big town, and God has given us a thriving church in our area and allowed us to impact people, not only right here around us and the town surrounding us, but also through, through great uh, men and women like uh, Stephanus, all over the world, we get to impact people. And so thank you very much for your generosity and, and being part of grace. Here we are in uh, 2015, and if you think about how this whole movement started, it's all about viral. In 33 AD, a ragtag bunch of everyday, uneducated men who were followers of Jesus ignited a movement that swept across the Roman Empire, the, the greatest empire on earth at the time. And, and it, it swept across that that empire with uh, with swiftness, with speed like lightning, like wildfire, and it's even caused historians today to to wonder back on that. How did that happen? And, and it's amazing that those disciples that started that even survived. And of course, most of them didn't. They were killed for their faith. All of them, but one. And we come, and that movement has swept down from 33 A.D. all the way to us today right here in this room. And so viral is all about how that got started, how that swept across the world. And we're picking it up in Acts chapter 2. Tim covered Acts 1 last week. And and as as we do that, as we see how the message of Jesus ignited through the disciples, I want to set the context for you. Uh, Where Tim left off, it's Pentecost pente 5 or 50 it's 50 days after the passover and it was during it was at the passover time that jesus christ was killed so now it's 50 days after the crucifixion of jesus it's it's about a week after his ascension and this pentecost is another jewish holiday where Jewish people from, the ra- from around the world would come in to Jerusalem. And what happens on this day, remember Jesus, before the ascension that Tim was mentioning last week, he told the disciples to wait, and we talked about that. And then on the day of Pentecost, the waiting is over. The promised Holy Spirit, what Jesus told him to wait for, comes, and he comes ...like flames of fire connecting to each disciple. And then they are empowered to speak languages that they they didn't know. And because of that, all the people that had gathered from all over the world... ...who were there could understand what they were saying. And they caught that these people were Galileans and that this was unusual... ...and it caused them amazement and wonder and curiosity and excitement... And because of that, a crowd gathers. And then Peter uses the opportunity of this crowd gathering. And, and not all of them were in, some were in wonder, and some were just mocking. Ah, these guys are drunk. They don't know what they're doing. Crowd gathers. Peter uses then that opportunity to preach his first public sermon. And we're going to pick that up in Acts 2, beginning with verse 14. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk as you suppose, for it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour pour forth my spirit on all mankind, and your sons and your, and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And, and he continues quoting from the Old Testament there. And this is the arrival of the, old, of the Holy Spirit that was prophesied in the Old Testament that Jesus told the disciples to wait for. And, and since this time we've had the Holy Spirit today. And again, I, I want you to get this. We've been mentioning this last few weeks. But what Jesus is telling us and what scripture is teaching us is that better than Jesus beside us is the Holy Spirit inside of us. So understand that. It's better to have the Holy Spirit inside of us than Jesus beside us. I know a lot of times, don't you wonder, well, I wonder what Jesus would say. I mean, I do that all the time. I wonder what Jesus would say about this, or I wonder how he would react to this situation, or... But Jesus himself is telling you it's better for us that the Holy Spirit comes. And that's exactly what happened. So how did the message go viral? Well, when the Spirit came, the Spirit brought to us, the Spirit's power really ensured three things. And the first one is this. The Spirit's power brought boldness so that the truth could be preached. And that's exactly what's happening right here. First event. After the Spirit comes... Peter is preaching publicly... to a bunch of, of non-believers. And he starts with the truth... of who Jesus is. Peter starts a sermon by confronting them... with who Jesus is. And because these are mostly Jewish people... that have gathered all over the world... he uses the Old Testament to do it. And again, the Christian faith is not based on mystery. He uses arguments from the mind, cognitive arguments, to engage his audience because they have a high view of the Old Testament. He uses the Old Testament to make his points. And, and that he lays out this masterful, brilliant argument from the Old Testament in his sermon, making the case for exactly who Jesus is. He talks about Israel's greatest king, David, and that God had promised that one of his descendants and, and would, would be the Messiah. And by the way, he points out, David, that king, died and was buried. And he's buried over there in that tomb that we all know about. And then he picks up his sermon in verse 29. I want to continue. And so he says, brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David... That he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. And so because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants on his throne. He looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ. That he was neither abandoned to Hades nor did his flesh suffer decay. This Jesus God raised up again to which we are all witnesses. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and hear. For it was not David who was ascended into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I've made your enemies a footstool for your feet. And so he, make, he continues this argument saying, hey, David knew, David was pointing, knowing that God would raise one of his descendants and uh, that he would be a greater king than himself. And then he also points out that, hey, 50 days ago, he's going to get to this, and we're going to cover that in a minute, you crucified him. He says, but God raised him up, and we're all witnesses of this fact, they're talking about, The legitimacy of the resurrection, the powerful argument of the resurrection a month, a little over a month after that happened. It was still huge in the city. There were many witnesses. And I'm just saying, as he preaches truth, Peter does not avoid engaging the mind. He gives them rational arguments. And then he turns in verse 36... And he makes sure that they understand that they're responsible for crucifying the Messiah. He says, therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And so not only does he he present the truth of who Jesus was, he presents the truth of who's responsible for his death. Now you got to catch this. As people are coming in from all over the world, they're usually not staying this entire time. So many of these people, if not most of these people, were not the same people that a little over a month ago were shouting crucify him prior to the crucifixion of Jesus. Th- these are new crowds coming in, but he's pointing out that they're responsible for his death, that, that you, Israel, we, we crucified Jesus. And really it's the same with us. Before we can truly be a believer, we we usually come to this point where we're grappling with the fact that Jesus hung on the cross voluntarily to pay for my personal sins against him. And then it gets real personal as we think that through. We're responsible. He died to pay our penalty. And so the Holy Spirit came not only to bring boldness so that truth would be preached, but he also came to bring conviction so that hearts would respond, so people would respond to the message. And that's what happens in the next verse, verse 37. Now, when they had heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, What shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, each of you, repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. So all of a sudden, with the, with the power of the Holy Spirit, which brings conviction to the world, people are starting to realize that God's impacting their heart, that they are guilty, and then they they respond. And first, they're cut to the heart. they pierced to the heart. This is when they saw their sin as personal. I, I think we can maybe illustrate this in an event that happened in Scripture a month and a half before. Remember during, when Jesus was betrayed? We have Peter following the action. And so when Jesus is going through his trials... Peter is hanging around the courtyards. He's trying to see what's happening, and he's trying to do it incognito that nobody would know who he was. Remember how that goes? And then a slave girl points him out and says, hey, this guy, he's he's one of the followers of Jesus. And remember, Peter denies. And it happens again, and he denies. And then at some point, Luke, the historian, same guy that's writing Acts, he tells us that at some point during all those trials, there's a, a time where Peter could actually see the face of Jesus as he's in going through this stuff. And, he, and Jesus peers out through the courtyards, make, makes eye contact with Peter. And Peter then is broken. He leaves. He weeps bitterly. Say, what, what's going on there? Well, before that, Peter's lying. Peter knows that lying's wrong, right? It's against one of the Ten Commandments. He, he knew the Ten Commandments. He knew that he shouldn't, he lied, but he's lying at self preservation. That doesn't break him. But then, all of a sudden, when Jesus locks eyes with him, he realizes that it's personal, that Jesus knows that that he's, through his lies, he's betrayed Jesus in a sense. And it gets real personal. And his heart is broken. And he starts realizing that his actions have broken Jesus' heart. And I think that's what every believer goes through at some point when they start realizing the magnitude of what Jesus Christ has done for us. That it's not just for us. We start thinking, it's for me. And it's because of my sin. And sometimes then we catch ourselves doing something that we know God would want it, not want us to do and we realize it's this stuff. This is why Jesus had to die. They not only were cut to the heart, they repented. Repentance in, in Greek means a change of mind uh, with, the, with the thought that a change of behavior comes with that. And that's really from the Hebrew view of the word. This is written in Greek, but the Hebrew mindset of the people using the Greek was that it meant to turn. And so... Peter tells them they have to repent. They have to change their mind about who Jesus is. Change their mind. Even today, it's the same thing. We have to change our mind of thinking we don't need Jesus to that we do need Jesus, that he's the only way that we can be forgiven. Really, that's the first step of faith. It's a change in our thinking as we then place our trust in Jesus Alone. And then what happens then? How they respond, they were baptized. A call to repentance. A, ca- a call to this public act that shows publicly what's happened in someone's heart. Baptism does not add to our salvation, but we're all, as believers, commanded, called to be baptized. And, and here in, a, in the next month or so, maybe four weeks or so, we're going to have another indoor baptism. And it's another opportunity for those of you who have come to, come to Christ this year, or maybe you've come to Christ prior to that and you, you haven't been baptized, but if you've come to Christ and you realize that you have not followed him in believer's baptism, which is by immersion... If you've not done that yet, God's God's wanting you to do this. It's a a public act, a public rite that symbolizes what's happening. It symbolizes the cleansing that we've received through Jesus and the forgiveness that we get from that. So think about that. If, If that's something you want to be a part of, I'd encourage you to just grab one of those cards on the chair rack in front of you. Put your name down, Mark Baptism. Drop it off at the information table. We'll contact you. Just that easy. But we'd love for you to be involved if, if, if you should do that. And you should do it if you are a Christian and haven't been immersed as a believer in baptism. The next verse, verse 41, continues the story. It says, then, So then, those who had received his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. So, They're cut to the heart. They repent. Then they follow through with baptism. And and also what's happening there when they become believers is they receive the Holy Spirit. When they responded to the message, they received the Spirit. Where now, unlike when Jesus was was walking on earth, that's what Jesus was telling us is better. We receive the Holy Spirit where we get to personally walk with God 24-7. And when you become a believer, you have the Spirit inside of you God's spirit and it's amazing thing because God gifts us he empowers us he illuminates us he leads us he fills us as we yield to him there's a lot of misunderstanding about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit this last Tuesday this very very rarely happens but uh there's a person on our property it was during the day on Tuesday causing some problems. And I went out to the parking lot to talk to this man who doesn't come to church here or anything. And, uh, and he was just adamant confronting me that he's filled with the Spirit. I'm filled with the Spirit. I'm filled with the Spirit. You're not filled with Spirit. I'm filled with Spirit. You guys, you know, just... And within three minutes, he was on a bicycle... <laughs> Uh, Within three minutes, he was shouting obscenities across the parking lot. A lot of people have turned being filled with the Spirit into some emotional or uh, mystical thing. Remember what Tim was saying last Sunday? Being filled with the Spirit is yielding To God, it's being obedient to what God's told us to do. It's not being out of control. It's not flying off the handle. It's not doing whatever you feel like doing. That's the opposite of being filled with the Spirit. So the Spirit comes uh, to bring conviction so we can respond. And then third, uh, the Spirit comes to bring unity so the local church could thrive. I've had a few conversations with people who who don't come to Grace, who are kind of interested in our church, and I'm telling them about it, and and one of the things that that I'm so glad that I get to share with people about Grace is that we are a unified church, and it's weird because especially as our church has grown, we have people from all different backgrounds, people with all different experiences, with all different opinions, and all different opinions on how to, we should do things at church. But somehow we bring all that in, into God's house, into God's family, into God's local church here at Grace, and we have unity. That is only possible through the Holy Spirit, I believe. And we've had great unity in our church. It's been decades. You hear about churches having splits and problems and all this. We've not had anything like that. I think sometimes it's easy for us to take it for granted, the unity that God has given us as a church. And it was the same way in the first century. These people, even the disciples, zealots, tax collectors, fishermen, I mean, all these people with totally different ideologies and philosophies come together to follow Christ. Unity. And God allows that to continue with us. And so here this unity is displayed. Then he tells us in verse 42, and we'll we'll wrap up here. He says, and they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. That unity kind of spills out in that way. Brought unity to them in the first century, just like the Spirit brings unity to us. And they're united in their commitment, and it shows up in these ways that Luke's recording for us. First of all, teaching. The apostles' teaching, teaching God's Word. You know, why, why is that so important? It's vital... Because we have competing voices in our life. Ideally, all believers, the word of God would be the supreme voice. But life doesn't play out that way. We have competing voices. First is our own voice. How many times have you heard somebody say something to the tune of, yeah, I'm a Christian, and yeah, I I know I shouldn't be living with that my boyfriend or my girlfriend. But because of fill-in-the-blank reason, economics, this, that, the other thing, who knows, I'm going to do it anyway. That's competing voices. It's not just our own personal voice. It's also the voice of our culture that, that's always pulling on us away from the direction of God, from God's word. We have these competing voices. And because of that, it's vital that we intake the Word of God daily. We just had a last few days ago, Thursday, we had Fight Club graduation where um, over the last 10 weeks, uh, started with 175 men came out to take a challenge, and, which involved a bunch of stuff, spiritual challenges, uh, physical challenges, relational challenges, intellectual challenges every week and, uh, and grappled with that. But part of that, which is not even really a challenge, is that we read, a pro- we read the Bible, Proverbs, every day just to develop that habit of daily reading. Why? Because of the competing voices in our head. We've got to be centered on God's truth. Out of 175, we have over 90 guys graduate Thursday night. I, I couldn't be prouder of these men that took that challenge and did that. And not only the voice of culture, but then he mentions fellowship, breaking of bread, prayer. All these things that he's mentioning, it's, it's this unity, this sense of belonging, the sense of belonging together. I mentioned if, if you didn't catch it, last weekend, Pam and I's youngest daughter, Carissa, got married. And so on Saturday last week, I walked her down the aisle, gave her away, came around, stood up here, and performed the ceremony. It was dicey, let me just tell you. <laughs> and all through that, I'm, I'm reminding myself this is God's idea. God's word says this is this is a good thing. And then the other thing that I'm reminding myself is, did we have a picture up there? Oh, there it is. And uh, that's the giving of the way part. I was doing okay at that part, but anyway. So I'm reminding myself this is God's idea. And then the other thing I'm reminding myself, just as I did with Bree's wedding, was you know it's not like Losing a daughter, it's like gaining a a son. You know, so I kept saying, we're gaining another person into our family. That's exactly how it should be here at Grace. Hey, when you come and join yourself to Grace, when you become a believer and and this is your church home, you, you should feel that same way. You're joining the family. You weren't in the family, now you're in the family. And you're just as much in the family as anybody else. That's what we want every single person to feel at grace. Come in. Be part of us. Be united with us. Be part of what God's doing through grace. Help us impact the world. Help us get you ready to impact your world. That's what we want to do. Fellowship, that's this unity, being together, encouraging others, helping each other in time of need, breaking a bread. He's talking about meals, although there's a little bit of a connotation of, of communion in there, but you know, we break bread together, we pray together, pray for God's direction because we're not led by emotionalism. We're not led just by whatever we think or our intuition we're trying to submit ourselves to God's direction. You know. And there's a way to kind of make that formal. It's, it's called 101 class. You know, that's when you become a member. And uh, actually, that's third hour today. So if, if you're not a member of grace, you should sit in third hour. You get a free lunch. We'll just tell you about grace. You can ask questions. Just tell us, you know, be with us kind of more formally. I mean, make it, make it official. We wish you would. What's Peter telling us? Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, came to die for our personal sins. And he also used a point in history, Pentecost, Where the Holy Spirit came and now every believer receives the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit inside of us is better than Jesus beside us. Because he empowers us to live out every minute of every day. Let's stand and we'll close in prayer. Father God in heaven, we just thank you for your goodness, and Lord, we thank you most of all for your son Jesus, Lord, that he would come and voluntarily allow himself to be tortured to death, not just for the sins of the world, but for our sins individually, my sin. It's Amazing to comprehend, doesn't doesn't seem right. God, we thank you for that greatest gift. And then, as if that weren't enough, you bestow onto us your righteousness, forgiveness, righteousness, your righteousness that we can't ever earn or attain, and your spirit. Lord, that if we yield to him in our life, we can live A life that honors you more and more. And God, we pray that you'd help us to do that. And God, we thank you for the church, local churches all around the globe that meet together. Lord, a place where we can grow and also impact others. And God, help us at Grace Community be the church that you want us to be. Help us to be a place where we grow closer and closer to you, a place where we reach out to others near and far, as Peter said, and that we would impact the world for your kingdom. God, thanks for loving us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thanks for being with us this morning. Hope to see you next Sunday. Be here as we continue in viral.